Well, good morning, everyone. You got an extra hour of sleep? How was that? Did you use it wisely? Or you just stay up an extra hour later? Yeah? No? All right. Um, well, good morning. My, my name is Pastor Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life. And uh, we are in a series. This is uh, week five of a series called The God I Never Knew. And uh, essentially we've been talking about the person, the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And uh, it comes out of this reality in my own life, growing up in the, in the church, of not really knowing what to do with the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I understood the Father, the big guy, the one I should pray to, and then Jesus, God's Son, who made a way where there couldn't be a way, and then, but then there was like this, this Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit guy that I, I really didn't know, always felt like he got left out, and um, didn't really know what to do with him, and I don't feel like I'm alone in that. Um, I've actually, we've, we've been discussing some pretty hot topics and controversial terms over the past four weeks that uh, have, have caused divisiveness within the body of Christ and uh, even caused whole denominations to, to walk away from other denominations and, and schisms in the church based upon some of these things that we've talked about. And so, so far we've talked about uh, Pentecostal, that term Pentecostal, what does it mean to be a Pentecostal? What is the whole idea of Pentecost and what's the significance of the Feast of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell? And um, we also talked about and listed out, outlined the, the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are those those gifts, you know, the, the, the speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and all that stuff that were kind of like, depending on where we came from, uh, it's like I don't, either we wholly, wholeheartedly embrace them or are a little bit fearful of them. And then last week we talked about the baptism into the Holy Spirit. And uh, all of these, you know, are, are, are interesting. It's been really fun for me to, to go down through these. And quite honestly, I've received more feedback um, from this sermon series than any other sermon series I've ever done, most of it positive. <laughs> so, um, so it's just been it's just been interesting as we've been going through this together. I think that it's really kind of scratched an itch for people of questions that they have been asking that uh, they never knew that they could ask or that it was appropriate to ask. And so if you missed any part of this series, I'd love for you to, you can catch up on it. I'll go to nlc.today and uh, we have video and audio sermons that you can kind of catch up and see what, what maybe you, you may have missed. But um, I was praying about this as we were kind of continuing in this, this, this sermon series, I'm like, okay, we just talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like, where am I going to go with this? And I was praying about where the Lord's leading was. And I was realizing that we talk about the Holy Spirit being a gift, right? Wait for the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we also talk about him being uh, a giver of gifts, right? That, so he's the gift that gives gifts. And I was realizing this and, and maybe you can't relate to this, but I was realizing, like, in my own mind and in my own, because I like to have things in their places, my own division of labor when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I, I, I usually sometimes think that he is there to, to give me things. Like, he, he's a gift, and then he gives gifts, spiritual gifts, and, and I receive those, and he gives me what, what, what the Father wants me to have, and he gives me what, what Jesus made possible for me to have. And so I, I kind of relegate him into that arena of responsibility. And the reality is that is not the sum total of what the Holy Spirit does. 
In fact, I would argue, and what we're going to talk about today, is that him being a gift and giving good gifts is not even close to the most significant things that the Holy Spirit does and is supposed to be doing in the life of a believer. So we said last week that, um, you know, he draws people to Jesus. So, you know, when you come to finally, you know, receiving Jesus as your, as your Lord and your Savior, the Holy Spirit has done the hard work of getting you there, of leading you there, of putting people in your life to draw you there till you finally come to realize, okay, this is, this is the decision I want to make. But it's not just like this, well, I'm finally admitting, yes, Jesus existed and he was a guy, this God-man, and he died and rose again, and I'm giving mental assent to the reality that this is a true statement. The Bible says that when we come to that place that we are born again that we were born of the Spirit. So there's not just like this, like, okay, I'm, I'm admitting that I, that I necessarily didn't believe it, but now I do. He's saying that there's something that changes on the inside of us that we're born again when we come to faith in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit comes and he, he draws you to Jesus. He comes and he dwells in you. He comes upon us, right? He, he fills us, and then we are supposed to be immersed into the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this. I love this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. It's this reality that, that you, as a believer in Christ, were meant to carry the presence of God. You are meant to carry the presence of God. So the Holy Spirit is inside of you and desperately wants to overflow out of you. That's this reality of this tension that we hold. And so um, the Holy Spirit is absolutely critical in you coming to Jesus and growing in Jesus and also having knowledge of Jesus. And we said last week, I'm telling you the truth of this, that the Holy Spirit is the thing you never knew you were looking for. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit is the answer to the question you never knew you were asking, and the Holy Spirit is the helper you never knew was right beside you. So this is the beauty of what it is that we're going to be talking about today, that he's not just the gift that gives good gifts, but he's also the friend, the, 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 the one who guides us into all truth, our helper, our advocate, our comforter, all the time. And so the question I want us to wrestle with today is this, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit to the extent of which Jesus speaks of. So we're going to read some scripture here today. I'd love if you turn with me to John chapter 16, and we're going to kind of get hunkered down in this portion of scripture like we do most weeks. And um, if you'd stand with me to honor the reading of God's word, I'd really appreciate it. I may have a lot of things to say, but um, how many of you know God's word is, is, is supreme? John chapter 16, verse 5, he says this, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he tells them, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, catch this, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. 
of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Lord Jesus, I thank you that, that you prophesy this reality of this advocate, helper, counselor, comforter, truth teller, guide, that it's supposed to be the answer to the question we never knew we were asking, the person that, that's beside us that can help us when we didn't even know there was someone there. And so, Lord, I thank you that there's always more that you have for us. May we come to know you more as you are the more of God. And so, Jesus, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So Jesus is telling us, we're going to kind of pull from this scripture today, what the role is of the Holy Spirit. Apart from the spiritual gifts and all of these other things and the, all, of the, all of that stuff, the first thing that we find is this, that he comes to help us. Holy Spirit comes to help us. John chapter 16, verse 7, we just read it. He's, I will read it again. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I, I go away. If, but if I do not go away, the helper, catch this, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is essentially saying, I, I know that this doesn't make sense to you right now. Like, I'm pretty much what he's saying to these guys. He's like, look, guys, I know that you're sad. I know that you don't want me to leave. No, Jesus, don't go. I know that this isn't good news to you, but I want you to understand something. It is better for you that you have the Holy Spirit in you rather than having me with you. This is better for you, even though it may not feel like it. And how much more do we think that it would be better to have Jesus with us? How much more so would, would these disciples who were walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, had Jesus, could hug Jesus, He's saying it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit in you than to have me with you. And then Jesus uses this word to identify the Holy Spirit. It's this word in verse 7 that is translated as helper. In your Bible, it may be translated as something different. It may be translated as advocate or as comforter. So this, this idea of advocate and comforter and helper, the actual Greek word that's used here, kind of strip back all of our uh, English interpretations and translations and all of that, is parakletos, which essentially means this. It's, it's actually a legal term. It's used in, in the court of law. You know, it's, it's a legal term, which, which means this. And, and, and let, let, me, let me read it for you. Someone who speaks in support or in defense of someone else before a judge. Let me say that again. Someone who speaks in support or in defense of a person before a judge. It could be also translated like le your legal counsel, right? So essentially what Jesus is saying is like you've got legal counsel next to you. You've got someone who is speaking in support and in defense of you before the judge. Amen. Which for me, now you're like, okay, well, that sounds good. This is huge. This is a huge, 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 huge deal. Because this definition it flies in the face of one of the greatest myths that we have about the Holy Spirit. Which is that his job is to continually and constantly be reminding me and convicting me of all my sins. 
The Holy Spirit is there, and he's going to tell me, hey, did, you know, you messed up yet last night. I know I messed up. Well, I just didn't want you to forget, you know, because you you're a screw-up. And I know I'm a, you know, like, we think that the Holy Spirit's there to just remind us and convict us all the time of the sins that we already know that we've done. Like, maybe, maybe you grew up in a church like this, where, like, if you didn't, if you went to a church service and you came out and you didn't feel like you were beaten up, you didn't have church. And you may be sitting here coming from a church experience like that, and you're, and you're sitting here like, I don't know, I've been coming here for like a couple weeks. I just don't sense the presence of God there. I don't hate myself enough when I leave, right? Some of you come from this place where it's like, man, I just, if I feel like I just got kicked, then that was a good service, right? I, if I hate myself just a little more than I did when I came in here today, hallelujah, right? God has shown up. It's this reality where we begin, if we're not careful, to start equating the presence of God with digging up my dirt. The Holy Spirit, that's, that, that's his job. And it's a wonder why so many people don't want to get close to God. Why would you? I mean, imagine this. If you had a really close friendship, okay, this may be difficult for you to imagine, but here's, if you have a really close friendship and... Every time you hang out with this person, they, they make you feel guilty. They, 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 they blame you for everything, right? Um, they, they make you feel shame. They embarrass you. And they are constantly nitpicking every little thing that you do and, and conveniently pointing out every fault of yours. You may be thinking, that's the person sitting next to me. Those are all of my friends, right? Like, have you ever been there where you're like, look at, you don't want to hang out with somebody that long, do you? If that's the type of friendship that they are. Here, if, that, if you're in this place right now, here's the word of the Lord for you today. You need to get some new friends. <laughs> it, you don't have to think about this. This is not a difficult thing. You need to find some new friendships in your life. If you're hanging out with people and all you get is just nitpicked and constantly reminded of, you know, you're, you're horrible at, at life and, and you really can't do anything right, you know, that, that, that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit that you're listening to. So, and I think when it comes to our relationship with God, and we're talking about this, like, relationship with the Holy Spirit, I think people are reticent to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because they always think that God is in a bad mood. Oh, I just, I don't know if I want to get too close to him because, I mean, I already know that I messed up, but I really don't need somebody to remind me that I messed up again, right? Like, so I don't even know and if I even want to get close to God because getting close to God means getting close to somebody who's in a bad mood and is always going to be pointing out all of my faults and I don't really want to have more of that because I already know that I'm screwed up. And, and it's interesting to me how that plays itself out in our walk with the Lord. Because if we talk about, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit over the past five weeks, right? As a Christian, why would you not want to have a relationship and to seek out a relationship with the Holy Spirit? As a Christian, why would you not want this gift or this promise of the baptism into the Holy Spirit? Unless you have a wrong thinking about the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I want more of that because I'm afraid that God's in a bad mood and I really don't want to get too close to somebody that's in a bad mood. So that whole baptism into a bad mood, I don't need that. 
so we start to kind of push ourselves away. And I want you to realize this. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is not there to rub your face in your garbage. Not there to, to, to make you, to dig up your dirt and to throw it in your face so that you feel shame. The Holy Spirit is there to mine the gold out of your dirt. He mines the gold out of the dirt. He goes on in verse 8 and he says this, And, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now that word convict right there in verse 8 can also be translated, I think better translated as convince. So he, in other words, it says he's convincing the world of sin and of righteousness and, 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 of, and of judgment. So who is the Holy Spirit convincing of sin in that, in that scripture? The world. You? No, the world. Essentially, he's convincing the world, not, not, not believers, but unbelievers of sin because he's speaking to his disciples, his followers. Because here's the reality. If you're a believer in Jesus, you already should know that you have sinned. I mean, that's kind of step one of even coming to the Lord. We're supposed to repent and believe. And if we've never repented of sin in our life and we think, oh, I'm all good, I actually don't sin, I, I, I made a few mistakes, but I don't actually sin, then Jesus died for nothing and he has nothing to save us from. Actually, I don't need a savior. I just like Jesus. I'm a pretty good person. and I'd like him to just kind of come alongside and add to me and be like a sidecar for me so that I can continue in this world. But if you understand that you've sinned in your life and that you need a savior, everything changes. This is, what, this is essentially what he's talking about. This world, this whole idea of convincing. And he explains it in verse 9. He says, of sin because they do not believe in me. So the second thing that, that Jesus tells us about the role of the Holy Spirit is this. He convinces unbelievers about sin. Let me explain this. He convinces unbelievers about sin. This is good news for you. You know why? Because it simplifies your job. Because you know what his job is. The Holy Spirit is what convinces unbelievers about sin. Do you know, maybe you didn't know this, I thought I'm about to like step on your toe or at least kind of give you a left hook here. Do you know that your job is not to convict people of their sins? I'm just I'm not saying, I'm just saying, like it's, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, and this is where it starts to creep in. When we start to think that it's our job, I watch Christians look at unbelievers and look at the world around them, and they have this thought. This thought is this. Why, why aren't they being better? Why aren't they, they, they need to stop sinning. They need to start acting more like followers of Jesus, these people around in this world today, right? There's only one problem with this way of thinking. They're not believers in Jesus. It's almost like saying, I just wish that my cat would act more like a dog. <laughs> they won't. Dogs will always be better than cats. Thank you. It's just a reality. Just, 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 it's okay. Like Maybe this is a revelation to you, but it's okay if you're just grasping it now. 
But to look at a cat and be like, why don't you act more like a dog? And it just looks up at you like, meow, and then walks away, right? Because that's what cats do, right? But when we look at the world and we're like, why are you sinning? Why don't you act more like, 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 like believers in Jesus? There's a problem. They're not. And so when that, when that idea starts creeping into us, this is the answer that we have for it. Well, we just need to legislate it. We need to create laws and we need to, we need to kind of like impose our Judeo-Christian morals and ethics and values into this world and that's what's going to change it. That's what's going to preserve our Christian nation. Can I just tell you this? The world does not need Christian morals, ethics, and values. The world needs Jesus. And so when we start thinking that I'm going to change the world by imposing laws and regulations and I'm going to have them work with inside of a box so that they act like something that they're not, we're completely deluded. The world needs Jesus. The world needs to be convicted of sin, not because we've tried to create a good box that they can play within, but that they've come to the realization that they are a sinner in need of a savior, and God changes them and transforms them from the inside out. They are not conformed to the pattern of this world, but they are transformed by the renewing of their mind. That is the answer. It always has been. And when we get off track and think that other things are going to change that, if we can create a scenario or a situation where we can preserve our Christian nation, please, people, I need you to understand, they need Jesus. He alone is the change maker. He is alone. He alone is the only one that can do that. Your job is to be a witness. That is your job. Your job is to live a life for Christ in such a way that if people around you would want what you have. You don't need to convict them of their sin. You just live a life in front of them that they say, man, I don't know what you've got, but I need it in my life. You, that's your job, is to be a witness your job is to simply tell other people what God has done in your life and what he is doing in your life. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convince unbelievers that they are sinners in need of a Savior. That's how he lays it out. It gets better in verse 10. He says this about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. So I want you to, I want to make this, because Jesus makes a shift here, and I want you to understand this. In verse 9, he's talking about the world. He's talking about unbelievers in verse 9, what the Holy Spirit does in the life of an unbeliever. But in verse 10, he's talking to his disciples. He's like, and about you guys, the Holy Spirit's going to be convincing you of righteousness in Christ. So number three, if you're taking notes, is this. The Holy Spirit convinces believers of their righteousness in Christ. He convinces believers of their righteousness in Christ. I know that's a big word and it kind of like, oh, okay, I don't really know what that means, but it sounds really deep. Like, okay, that sounds good. Here's the thing. This is huge. This could be a full-time job for the Holy Spirit to be able to do in the life of a believer. Do you realize that? This, is, this, this may be simple, but it is absolutely huge. Why? So let's, let's break it down. Righteousness is a big word, so what does it mean? Righteousness is this. It's the state of being acceptable to God. It's the state of being acceptable to God. It's, it's being in right standing with God. That's what righteousness is. So it means that like if you look to God and he looks at you and you're like, we good? And he's like, we're good, right? It's this whole idea that we, when we have righteousness and we are in right standing, we are, we are acceptable before a holy, 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 holy God. 
So I want you to catch this. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit's job in the life of a believer, so in your life, if you're a believer in Jesus, is to convince you that you are acceptable to God through Christ. That, that, that alone, he comes to convince you and to remind you that you and I are in right standing before God in Jesus Christ. Let me break it down for you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So what does that mean? It means that if you are a believer in Jesus and you keep hearing that tape playing over and over and over again, some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're a believer in Jesus. Yep, you've been, you've been saved, all those things. But man, when you're alone, that tape just plays, pointing out every fault, comparing you to everyone else, reminding you of every failure, condemning you for every weakness, time, and see, look at what, you, you're not even a good Christian, you're not even a good mom, you're not even a good wife or a husband, you, you can't do this thing. I need to tell you something, that is not the voice of God that you're listening to. Well, I think the Holy Spirit is just trying to convict me of, of stuff that I'm not doing right. I'm just telling you that is not the voice of God. That is not the Holy Spirit that is speaking to you. We read in the Word of God that the Holy Spirit's priority is not to convict you of your sins, but to convince you of your righteousness in Christ. Two very, very, very different things. So if you truly have come to Jesus, the reality is, you already know that you sin. You don't need to be convinced of it. Nobody's like, well, I just needed you to know like you sinned this morning. I'm fully aware that I screw up. I'm fully aware I'm not perfect, right? Nobody, nobody ever has to convince me that, well, you know, Justin, you do, you do make mistakes every once in a while. I completely understand that. Many weaknesses as, as, as a human being, right? But the Holy Spirit's job isn't to, that, that we would just, you know, start feeling, oh, well, I'm just screwed up. I need to walk away from this thing. Obviously, I'm not doing a good job at that. What, what believers need to be convinced of and what the Holy Spirit is there for is to convince you to start walking out your right standing with God, that it's about your identity, who you are in Christ. He says it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become, catch this, the righteousness of God. Can I tell you, you don't need a sin management course. You don't need us to, well, you know, you, know, you, you, you screwed up, and you need to stop doing that, you start doing this, and start, stop doing that, and you need to cut that out, and you need to start doing this or stop doing that. You need to, no, what you really need is you need to start understanding and believing who you are in Christ. Look, you could stop doing this and stop clicking on that website and stop doing this, but I'm telling you, the problem is not that. The problem is that you haven't fully grasped or believed that you are the righteousness of God through Christ. Why? Because when you start to believe that and you understand your identity in him, what, 
that stuff pales in comparison to who you are as you walk out your identity in Christ. That, that, that is what the Holy Spirit continually convinces us of time and time again, that you don't need a list of do's and don'ts and you should do more of this and stop doing that. Some of you need to hear this, that God is not in a bad mood. He's not in a bad mood. You don't need to be scared of him. You don't need, when you walk closer, this isn't something you've got to run away from. He's not in a bad mood. Listen, Satan will want to remind you of your past, but the Holy Spirit reminds us of our position. We, we are forgiven. We are, we are accepted. We are a child of the Most High King. We are adopted. We, we are empowered. That's who you are in Christ. And, and, and it's not that you live a perfect, sinless life, because I don't know. I'd like to meet you if you do after service. It's not that you live a perfect, sinless life that, that achieves and gets you right standing with God. It's Jesus' perfect death that made a way where there was no way. Why? Because you're not that good. No offense, but you're not. So you can't earn this thing. And I love how he says it in verse 11. He, he says, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. He just kind of throws it in there and walks away. In other words, he's saying, hey, guys, just want you to know the enemy's been defeated. Some of you need to tell Satan to shut up. Why? Because he doesn't have the right to tell you who you are. He'd love to remind you, well, you know, I mean, you, you did screw up, and you do have this problem, and you, once an addict, always an addict, and, you know, and you know, you, you, it's going to carry you for the rest of your days, and this is who you are. Listen, some of you just need to say, that's not who I am anymore. And so I, don't, I walk out of my identity, not out of the junk that God's pulled me from, saying, well, I still am this thing. Jesus says, no, I've adopted you, I've empowered you, I've accepted you, and the Father has loved you. And so we walk out of that identity, not out of our past. We walk out of our position in Christ, where he made a way where there, where there, was, there was no way. The last point is this, number four. He says, he guides us into all truth. John 16, 13, he says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So break, break this down with me. Think this through. Like, if he guides you into all truth, then that means that he leads you out of lies. <laughs> Do you realize that, that, that Satan is called the father of lies for a reason? Jesus calls him the father of lies for a reason. Why? Because he's not simply trying to get you to mess up, to fall in temptation, to trip and to sin. Do you realize that? Sometimes we get this idea, well, you know, Satan, he's just trying to tempt me. Like, I don't know, he's hiding behind a bush the other day, and he popped out and scared me. And like, you know, and he's, and he's trying to get me to do this thing. I don't want to do it, but he's clicking my finger. I don't want to do this. But, and listen, that is child's play. We give way too much credit for every little temptation that he's hiding behind every bush, and he's in everything. The reality is he knows that if he can get us to believe a lie, then we'll sabotage ourselves. If we could just believe a lie about God or about ourselves, then we'll just start walking that thing out. And the reality is this, the battle that you think you're in is not the fight that you're really in. It's not. You, look at your, your fight isn't against pornography. Your fight isn't against gossip. Your battle is believing lies about yourself and about God and about who you are in Christ. That's what the battle is. 
We see it. Go all the way back. Garden of Eden. You got Adam and Eve. I want you to understand, the fight, the fight that we look at, you know, that apple, whatever that piece of fruit looked like, right? We always draw an apple, but we think, we think the battle is all about the fruit. The Bible says, well, it was pleasing to the eye, good for taste, for food, and also for gaining wisdom. And so, whew, I mean, how could I say no? I'm going to eat this thing. I want you to understand, that is not the battle that they were in. The battle that they were in, the fight that they really were having, was were they going to believe a lie that God was holding out on them? Were they going to believe a lie that God really didn't have his best in mind for them? And we want to make it about fruit. And God's saying, it's not about the fruit, it's about the lie. You got to, if, as long as you think it's all about this and clicking on this and doing this and saying this and gossiping here and lying here and doing these things, I'm telling you, it's not about the fruit. It is about the lie that you're believing. And Satan isn't trying to get you to eat a piece of fruit. He's trying to buy a lie that will keep you eating fruit for the rest of your days. Because he knows you just keep getting filled up on it. It never actually satisfies, but man, it feels good in the moment. And he knows if you could just buy the lie, you'll continue feeding yourself and sabotaging yourself. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. So I always think of this, like, in a very simplistic way. You're walking with the Lord, you're trying to be attuned to the Holy Spirit, and, you know, the Spirit tells you to go right, and you're like, I don't want to go right, and you go left, right? Now, many times, I know you don't do this. You've never disobeyed willfully the Holy Spirit. I know every single time that God has told you to go right, you're like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and you just go right. I know none of you, I've done this before, okay, and so I'm speaking from experience. He told me to go right and he go left. Now here's my question. In this moment, this is so critical for us as Christians to understand this. What is, what is the role now of the Holy Spirit in my life as, as a believer? Is he to convict me of my sins that I'm walking left when I should have walked right? No. He's to convince me of my righteousness in God. Still. I'm like, well, pastor, I mean... You turned left, didn't you? I mean, like, come on. Like, God's got to be mad at you for that, right? Like, no, here's the reality. Daddy's not mad. Now, here's the thing. You, you, you don't need to be convinced. You know you turned left and you should have turned right. But the, the Holy Spirit's job is to convince me that I'm still righteous even in the midst of it. Because if we're not careful, we understand that we're made righteous not by our own willing, by our own doing, but by, but by God. But we can sometimes think that we lose our good standing, our right standing with God, when we mess up. And so we have generation of Christians say, well, you know, I just, I'm obviously stinking doing this Christian thing, so God told me to turn right, I turn left, and peace out, maybe I'll come back to church sometime, but I can't do this, I'm obviously stinking being a Christian, I can't do this thing right. And so we walk away from our identity thinking that we've, that we've disavowed ourselves of, of the righteousness in Christ. Here, let, me, let me put this in natural. My kids, I got two kids, 15 and 13. They are, they're Sweeney's, right? That's my last name. If you've got kids, they take on your name. They, you know, they have my DNA in their bloodstream, right? I mean, like, they're mine. Like, they're my children, right? They are my progeny. I have, a, I have a birth certificate that shows them and reminds them I am your father, right? And you will do as I say, right? So we have this thing going, right? I, they know that they are my kids. Now, here's the thing. If they were to mess up, which my kids never have, your, yours may have, but, like, 
if and when they mess up, I want you to grasp this, they never cease being a part of my family. They're never not my kids. My kids decide, and I, maybe you, you, my, they've done this once, okay. Carter, I need you to clean your, clean your room. Okay, Dad. And he doesn't do it. I want you to understand this. Even though he went directly against his father's orders, he's still my son. He doesn't, just because he chooses to walk in disobedience in this area of his life does not mean that I'm like, get out of the house. Get out! You're done. You are nothing to me anymore. It does not change his position or his identity in our family. And just in the same way, I need us to grasp this as believers. The Holy Spirit holds your spiritual birth certificate. You don't believe me? Here it is. John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, he's talking about what it means to be born again. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of, the, of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Now let's break this down for a second. The first thing he says is flesh gives birth to flesh. Now we understand this. I could take out my birth certificate. You could look at it. It's proof of who I am, who my parents are, when I was born, what day, what place, what time, all of those things, right? It's proof of that. It defines my identity of who I am on this earth. Now, you can look at your birth certificate, and you can look, well, you can look at your family and think, oh, I'm pretty sure I'm adopted. Because <laughs> yeah. I know, like, you, you think, nobody this good looking could come out of these genes. Like, I know you're thinking that. You're thinking, you're thinking you must be adopted as you look around at the rest of your family. I mean, my goodness, you've seen them, and you know how good you look. Now, here's the thing. All you need to do is go back to your birth certificate. And it reminds you, well, I guess I'm the only normal person in my family. <laughs> I, I guess this is who I am on this earth. This is my identity. Now, here's the thing. It really doesn't matter what you think about it or how you feel about it. Your birth certificate, your birth certificate reminds you of your earthly identity. But Jesus also says this. Spirit gives birth to spirit. So when you were born into the spirit, when you are born again the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit holds your birth certificate. And he is trying to convince you of your identity. And here's what I would say. It really doesn't matter how you feel about it. It really doesn't matter. Nothing can change that fact. You can't add to your righteousness by being good enough and smart enough. And you can't take away from your righteousness because you didn't deserve it in the first place. You were born of the Spirit, not of your own doing. You had very little role in this thing, just like your natural birth. You had very little role in it, to none. But as we're born into the Spirit, He holds your birth certificate because it was never determined about what you do or don't do. It was always determined about what Jesus Christ had done on your behalf. And so the Holy Spirit wants to convince us of our righteousness, to correct lies that we believe, and to guide us into all truth. And here's what I would say in ending is this, like I, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow him to remind us, even if I don't feel it, he's working. 
Even if I don't see it, he's working. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's a beautiful thing. And living out of that identity changes everything. Living out of our past, living out of our, of our weaknesses, living out of our failures, living out of, will only get us more of that. Jesus wants to change us from the inside out. Would you stand with me? I want to go back real quick to, to Adam and Eve. The Lord had me just kind of rooted in there for some reason as I was, as I was studying this week. And I want you to watch this, what happens in the Garden of Eden. We talked about how, you know, the, fight, the battle really wasn't the battle that they thought they, that they were in. It wasn't about the fruit. It was about the lie. Well, either way, they chose to believe the lie and eat the fruit. What do they do after that? We see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened. This is immediately after believing the lie and eating the fruit. And they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the most tragic part of this is verse 8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. We'll pause there for a second. This is a sound that they would have been excited for. This is a sound that like all their days is, did you hear him? I think he's coming. I hear, I hear footsteps. I, I hear God walking into the garden in the cool of He's going to come meet with us. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell him about my day, what's been going on. This, they were excited about this. This was a sound that brought peace. This is a sound that just, that just stayed and stilled any anxiety or fears that ever rose up in them. Why? Because dad's coming home and he's never in a bad mood. We get to spend some time with him. This is going to be awesome. But not this day. This day, they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. This day, that sound that brought so much excitement and anticipation brought fear and anxiety. And so they run and they, they hide and they're scared. How, God, how is God going to respond to us? I, I don't really know. And they're terrified of this. And here's what I would say. We have been tempted to respond to God the same way since then. God's in a bad mood. I don't know how he's going to respond to me. I, I, and we spent years of our lives trying to pay for sins that have already been paid for. We spend days of our lives trying to fight battles that have already been won on our behalf. Maybe you're in this place now. You're like, man, I just, I, I just keep going back to this thing. I just keep going back to this thing. I just can't get over this hurdle in my life. This thing just keeps coming up and, and rising up against me, and it's just overwhelming me. I just want you to realize the, the battle that you think you're in is not the fight that you're really in. It's not about the fruit. It's about the lie. He continually will guide us into all truth and lead us out of lies. So with the Holy Spirit doesn't want to just bring us guilt and shame and condemnation. The Bible says that he's our comforter, our helper, our advocate, and our counselor. Isn't that good? 
And he's not like a bad counselor. I want you to understand this. Maybe you've been to a counselor before. Um, you, you go to this counselor maybe once. If you went to a counselor and you're like, okay, I just finally, hope I don't know if you take my insurance, but like really need to just talk about this and, you know, get this out. And you're sitting there. And what if you had a counselor that was like this the whole time you were telling your story? And they were like, what is wrong with you? What were you thinking? You're a horrible human. Can you imagine? You'd be like, uh, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. That's not the type of, when we talk about that, he is our counselor. He's continually reminding us who we are in Christ, not digging up our dirt and throwing it back at us. He brings life. He brings life. He brings life. He brings life. And so maybe you're here today and you're kind of like, you know what, Pastor Jeff? I'm like, I'm in this place where I just keep going back to this thing. I just keep clicking on this and, and speaking these lies or gossip. I, 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 keep, I keep struggling with this area of sin in my life. And I don't necessarily know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how to get, get, get going through this. I just want you to know, I didn't believe that God wants to break that off of you today. And it's not because he points out the, the, the already known sin. It's that he wants to convince you of your righteousness, that you're not that. Did you realize that? You are not that. You are not the sum total of your past. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And when we start to live out of that identity, get behind me, Satan. Get out of here. Shut up. You don't get to tell me who I am. I'm going to walk forward in this. And it changes how we respond, how we live, and the things that seem so insurmountable, the addictions that seem I can't ever get over, start to fall to the wayside when we walk it out. And maybe today you're kind of in this place where you're like, you know what, I haven't been to church in a long time, Pastor Justin. There's no condemnation in this. Here's the, th here's the reality. This is a lie I want to point out. You're thinking, well, you know, you're trying to convince yourself it's just been a really long, you know, you've been, you've been really busy. But the reality is you haven't wanted to come. Why? Because you think God's in a bad mood. And you've got this stuff that you did or that you've come in, in here with and you're still struggling in this thinking, well, I just don't know how God's going to respond to me, so I'm just going to stay, stay away. I want you to just say, Pastor Tom says this, that dad's not in a bad mood. The Holy Spirit's not here to rub your face and to dig up dirt. He's there to mine the gold out of you. So I want to pray with you today for maybe as we, as we enter into this last song of worship, I just want to encourage you, right now, we rebuke the accuser over people's lives that is trying to convince them who they are, and we say, shut up, in, in Jesus' name. That you don't get to define, you don't get to identify, you don't get to name, you don't get to give identity to any person that is under the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus, we lift you up. You, you, you speak that. Convince us again, Jesus. Remind us of the righteousness that, that we are in Christ Jesus. Even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't see it, God, I pray that you would, you would, you would help me to live out of the identity that you bought for me. Lord, we thank you that you are more than enough. Holy Spirit, come and remind and convince us who we are in you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, we thank you. And as we sing this, this last song today, I just want to encourage you. Maybe there's something that you brought in here today that you're just like, you know what, I just keep going back to this. I want you to 
with no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I just want to encourage you, you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit that brings life. If there's a need in any area of your life, maybe you came in here and you've got a diagnosis of whatever, some health issues, whatever that is, I just want you to understand, I don't want you to leave here without the opportunity of getting ministered to. We'll have a prayer team that will come up and, and just pray God and whatever that situation looks like, whatever that thing that is so overwhelming that I just don't know how I'm ever going to work my, my, myself out of this thing, I just want you to know you're not called to work yourself out of it. You're called to rest. You're called to rest in Jesus in the work of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So Jesus, as we lift your name up high, we choose to lift your name up above every other name. We choose to lift your name up above our own name, up above what Satan would love to call us, up above our past. We lift your name up above all of those names. God, I pray that a fresh infilling of your identity would rest on each and every single one of us, that we don't live our lives out of our past. We live our lives out of the future that has been destined for us. And so, Jesus, we claim your death, your burial, and your resurrection. We claim the infilling of your Holy Spirit over our lives, God, that we are not who others say that we are. We are everything that you call us to be, even when I don't feel it. Jesus, I pray for that fresh infilling over us today. And church, as we sing today, I just want you to lift your voices. Lift them high. God wants to confirm and affirm and convince you again that you are not who you think you are and your battle is not what you think it is. He wants to correct lies and lead you into all truth. Jesus, do your work. Holy Spirit, flood us with your truth and correct us as we walk in the favor of God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together.